Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester's CXCast. Sam Stern here, joined in the studio by my colleague, Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi. And on the phone, we have two of our colleagues from our London office, principal analyst, Joanna Vandenbrink-Quintanilla, and her colleague researcher, Alex Causey. Hi, Joanna. Hi, Alex. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for joining us. We wanted to talk with you about journey analytics uh, before we started recording. I was admitting my uh, towering ignorance on this topic. Uh, so hopefully a softball question for you. What is journey analytics? Sure, no problem. And there are a lot of misconceptions about what journey analytics is, so it's a good place to start. And at Forrester, we define customer journey analytics quite broadly as an analytics practice that combines quantitative and qualitative data to analyze customer behaviors and motivations. And the important thing is this is done across touch points and over time to optimize those journeys and to use that information to also predict what customers are going to do in the future. Some people think of journey analytics as a piece of technology or a tool or a methodology, but actually the important thing is it's a practice. It requires tools, it requires certain skills, it requires governance around it, and it's really an evolution in mindset. You have to really sort of embed journey thinking in your organization to be able to do it well. When it's effective, it's an enterprise-wide practice, not something that is just isolated within one unit within the organization. Wow. And it sounds like it would be your evolution or your sort of progress towards journey thinking as an organization might be a really good marker of a sort of meaningful move towards a more customer-centric culture as an organization because you're looking at it from the customer's perspective at that sort of end-to-end journey level rather than at your silos or your touch points. Absolutely. And in fact, we see indeed many of the companies that are investing in journey analytics are also using other levers like structure and like metrics and technology in order to indeed, as you say, become more customer obsessed and really start to reorganize themselves and how they think and how they operate around customer journey. So they really have that customer lens over how they do business. Okay, so that's what journey analytics is. And you know, you suggested that yes, there are technology tools and platforms here, but it's not solely that. There's there's all this other um, thinking and process and potentially organization that goes around that as well. Maybe can you next talk about, you know, I, I could see you sort of tuning the dials of those different ways that you get a journey mindset and sort of approach this thinking about end-to-end journey in different ways. Are there different approaches to journey analytics, right? Is it sort of, you know, one is maybe more technology-driven, one is more process-driven, or one is more we're going to organize around the journeys versus we're going to just get these people in a room and make decisions collectively. Are there different approaches to how companies handle journey analytics? Yeah, so we've seen companies take two different approaches to journey analytics. There's the bottom-up approach, and then there's the top-down approach. So the bottom-up approach uncovers journey patterns by analyzing the data. So it tends to start with taking large volumes of existing data. So that might be your VOC data, your web analytics, or your call center data, and then stitching it together to discover and visualize problematic or indeed promising customer journeys. The journey data then helps firms to visualize specific behaviors like drop-offs, skip steps, pain points. So this approach typically requires a journey analytics platform or service provider, which has experience in connecting the data. And then the other approach is what we call the top-down approach. And this involves overlaying the data onto current and future state journey models. So the platforms which typically offer these capabilities tend to come from a journey mapping software background. So it starts by defining the current state and the future state journeys based on a segment or persona, and then it's about layering on the 
qualitative data capturing in things like interview transcripts or call center logs, as well as the quantitative data from surveys and other databases and systems and overlaying that onto the journey. So follow up question on that, because those sound like really different approaches. Mm. And when we're thinking about when companies apply these different approaches, how do they know? So if I'm the person responsible with creating the journey map, do I use the bottom-up approach as a way to start, to start to identify common paths? Is it something that I use later on to validate if the journey is right? So that's a great question. And we definitely see a lot of variation in how companies are doing that. So there are different scenarios, basically. Maybe you've already mapped a number of journeys, you know what your important journeys are, and you're at that stage where you want to start to take a more data-driven approach to understanding those journeys so that you know whether you're doing the right thing, so that you can build a business case for making bolder changes to that journey. That would be the approach where you would take something you've mapped and you'd start layering more data so that you're really able to start to add some science to the mm-hmm. art of the journey that you've already mapped. In other cases, we see companies where, you know, we've even seen companies that haven't done that much journey mapping at all, but have, for instance, a really insights-driven culture. And so they have a technology they've invested in, uh, and they are looking across large volumes of data to identify what are these journeys that we should be focusing on, and where do we see patterns and connections? Some of it is to do with maturity. Some of it has to do with, do you know what your vision is? What kind of journeys you want to actually create for your customers? Or are you at that stage where you actually still need to sort of map that out, maybe do some research, in which case you might sort of take more of a journey mapping approach to really sort of understand what the vision is before you start to analyze large volumes of data. But if you already know what your strategy is and you're really at that stage where you're trying to scale improvements across journeys, then you might invest on a technology platform is able to do that more at scale and in a real-time fashion as well. Yeah, those are great examples. You can see how they're different approaches based on where they are in their journey mapping uh, maturity. I think we're seeing these two different approaches. That explains why you two might have been crazy enough to produce two separate (laughs) vendor evaluations, also known as WAVES. One is quite an undertaking in and of itself, so two I guess we're, we're lucky that you're still working at Forrester after doing that. Tell us about the two waves a little bit and what did you find when doing the sort of simultaneous vendor evaluations? Sure, no problem. So, um, you, you know, you're right. It was a huge undertaking in and of itself. And then we, we realized as we were doing the briefings and the demos with all of the vendors that we'd included in the wave that there were some very significant differences between the vendors that we were speaking to. And that's when it really dawned on us that it was the best thing was to actually split the wave into two groups with a subtle difference. And I'll try and explain what that is. We've divided it into two waves. So one set of vendors is really focused on visioning. So they are visioning platforms. So the emphasis is on journey design and planning, understanding current state um, journeys, creating future state journeys, discovering segments, personas, and then taking the data and using it to optimize the journeys. But there's more of an element of visioning and understanding what's going on in the journey and then planning a, a portfolio of journey improvements and changes. The other um, wave or set of vendors is more focused on orchestration. So these are more orchestration platforms. And the difference there is that the emphasis is on actually starting to automate and orchestrate directly with customers based on some of the insights and some of the data that you're collecting and some of the patterns and connections you're seeing. And the orchestration is twofold. On the one hand, you've got orchestration through workflow automation, so with your own systems, across departments, across different silos. 
but you also have orchestration that is done directly with the customer. So this is through real-time interaction. You're actually adjusting the journey and the flow of the journey as it's happening in the context of what the customer is doing, but also merging that with what the customer has done in the past so that you can become more and more intelligent about how you're interacting with the customer. So there's machine learning that comes into a lot of that orchestration and a lot of modeling that's happening in artificial intelligence. Uh, it's an evolution, if you like, of the visioning that you perhaps have started off doing. That's really interesting. Can you give an example maybe of, of how a change that would you know sort of be representing a dynamic journey the way you were just describing where you're sort of actively managing it? What would be the type of change that um, you know the journey analytics platform might recommend? Or it sounds like you're it seemed you were implying this might, you know, proactively be able to make on its own because it was some piece of it was automated. Yeah, absolutely. So let me give you a few examples. So it could be something as simple as looking at what uh, a customer has bought in the past and making a recommendation and adjusting, for example, the content on a web page that they're visiting so that it's much more relevant to exactly what they're trying to do. And it takes into consideration what the customer has been doing in the past and maybe even predict what they might be doing next. So it could be an adjustment like that, but it could also be something more sophisticated, like, for instance, trying to bridge a digital and a physical experience where maybe you actually know where the customer is in their journey. You know they've come into a physical location. Let's say it's a retail shop and you want to actually send out an automatic alert to the employee with the information to let them know, hey, there's a VIP customer that's just come into the store. Could you go out and speak to them and hear the information that's relevant to them? There's an element of next best action modeling as well with a lot of this. So you're trying to put together that information so that you're also trying to predict what the customer is going to need next. And that could be an offer. It could be a conversation. It could be an action that needs to be taken, passing that information on to either the right system or the right employee so that they can actually take action on that insight. I'm curious about that orchestration a little bit because I know that we hear about automation a lot these days, right? Being able to automate. Who, whose and, fault is that? <laughs> Partially my own. <laughs> and the future state, we'll get to that next. Um, but when we actually look at some of the tools and technologies that are out there, we find that maybe they're not automating to the degree that they say they are, mm. right? So that you still have to go in as the CX professional and, you know, set up the triggers and the journey map where you want to send them this offer. But then there are some systems that are more advanced, right? And using machine learning and identifying these triggers themselves. So I'm curious in your findings from the wave, what did you see in the current state of automation and orchestration? Yeah, so, you know, great question. So I think that we are seeing quite a lot of sophisticated orchestration of journeys across different channels. A lot of it, you know, using machine learning, but also being able to, you know, to look at the journey in context of what's happening. So, you know, really putting together that data also across, you know, physical locations and starting to use that data not so that you don't have to go in. So one of the things, for instance, that really sets apart the platforms that are really good in orchestration is the fact that they are really technology agnostic. So what that mm -hmm. means, they almost, they sit on top of your existing systems as a, a layer of intelligence on top of that, so that it's truly orchestrating different actions and pieces of information across your systems and even across maybe, you know, some systems that employees are using, so that it really starts to get into that realm of being truly automated. Now, mm -hmm. of course, you want to be monitoring the impact that that's happening on your metrics. So as a CX professional, it's not like, oh, suddenly everything is happening sort of for you and you don't have to. So there's also a lot of analysis. That's the other important aspect of it is capture 
capturing the impact on KPIs, on important things, on you know customer value, employee value, so that you can tweak and you can analyze. You know what are the things that you should be doing? What are the behaviors that you want to drive? Where do you maybe need to sort of make a change or adjust your strategies? There's a lot of intelligence that's being built to truly automate that orchestration, and at the same time, also a lot of focus on making sure that you're capturing the right metrics so that you know whether you're driving the right value. Well, thank you, Alex, Joanna, for joining us. Is there anything we neglected to ask you that we should have about journey analytics providers or how companies are doing this well? No, I think that pretty much covers it. The only thing that I would add is, you know, it is an emerging category. There's lots of tools in this space. We included the ones based on a number of inclusion criteria that we felt like really needed to be in this first wave about journey analytics platforms. I think it is a wave that we will probably be doing again. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure there'll be changes in the actual universe of vendors that get included. Yeah. It's an exciting space. There's a lot of change happening, but also, you know, as you said, Sam, in the beginning, not just in terms of tools, but also in terms of organization, how companies are trying to organize themselves using some of these tools around customer journeys. There'll be lots more research on this topic. Uh, that's great to hear that you'll do more and that the, the two waves haven't, <laughs> <Yeah>. haven't scared, <laughs> scared you both off. <laughs> and if they have, then you've just committed future colleagues. Yeah. So <laughs> that's right. On the record. <laughs> We've just delegated a piece of work. <laughs> well, great. Thank you both for joining us. We appreciate it. Listeners, we will post links uh, in the show notes to the two waves. And I think if you're not ready for that level of detail, there's a blog post as well uh, that we'll link to that sort of gives a summary of the overview here. Thank you all for joining us on this week's CXCast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CXCast. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.